Hey everyone, I'm Gracie and welcome back to the Graceful Military Child Podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. I am super excited to continue on with our No Greater Sacrifice series, sharing the stories of military children whose loved ones were critically wounded or fallen in action. I hope you find inspiration from these scholars that just because a traumatic situation may happen, you are still able to achieve your hopes and dreams. So hi, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Gracie. Yes, of course. I'm super excited. So tell me a little bit about your parent who served and a little about their service. Yeah. Um, so my dad, Randy Nance, um, he joined the military right after September 11th. So um, I was going to school in Dallas because that's where all of our family was. And he picked me up because we were all being evacuated from school since it was near an airport. And um, I will never forget, we're getting in the car and he was just telling me like he was going to join the military. Um, And my heart as a daughter was a little bit nervous about that after um, seeing everything that had happened on September 11th the day of. And so um, I remember going home and just being like, what's going on? And our family just totally rallying. Um, And yeah, my dad he's incredible. Um, he was a Sergeant first class. He joined at 33, um, which the military cutoff is 35, like when you're, when you can join. And so, um, he came into it late, but he came into it so motivated and, um, inspired service country. And growing up, I've just learned so much about his like willingness to serve and his willingness to sacrifice. Um, and all of those components have really taught me and made me so much of who I am today. Yeah. I think it's special that, you know, every military story is different. And for you guys, it was September 11th happened. And then your dad felt called to serve like right after that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was literally like two weeks. I just remember that being such like a whirlwind and a storm of like, hearing it and then it happening Um, him starting training, getting used to my dad being in training away, um, getting used to like the sweet reunions. Um, Reunions are the best when they come home. Um, Yeah. I know it is really cool to hear how everybody's military story starts. Yeah. What was it like kind of, because obviously you were old enough to remember, you know, the day your dad, you know, joined the military, what was it kind of like being an older, older child and not being born into it? It's a good question. Um, wow. That's a question that I've never even been asked or thought of. Um, (laughs) so I love that Gracie. I would say, I don't know, like first grade is still so formative. So you're still very much like getting your bearings with life. Luckily it came like still so early on, but I do feel like that was like the most shaping part of growing up. Um, I would say, I would say the weirdest part, but I don't even know if my brain comprehended this at the young age, but the 
year, like the weirdest part would probably have been like shifting from a routine of like being your family. Um, that's our extended family, but I would say I'm really grateful, um, to have had the opportunity to like get to watch my dad step into it. Um, I think that there was a gift and an honor and a privilege too, and just like getting to see his choice of, um, choosing to serve the military and his bravery. Um, yeah, I think that getting to be on the front end of it as a first grader um watching it happen was a really big gift um because had I been born into it it would have been a big gift too um but I'm really glad that the way that it did happen it allowed me to see the steps of diligence um that it took and also I know for our family my dad joining the military was like a huge gift to our family too. Um, and just the way that, um, my dad really did like have a new lease, like on life, like when he joined, um, and yeah, I feel like, I feel like while there was like a lot of service and a lot of sacrifice, there was a lot of beautiful things, um, that were gained in military life too. Um, so yeah, it was, my brother and I have completely different experiences, which is wild. Yeah. Imagining like being from the same family and growing up so differently. I think it's exactly. probably so true of so many military families. Um, but he's five years younger than me. So he was just one year. He was only a year old um, when my dad was joining the military. So it's wild to see how our lives have um, been from the same family, but so different. Yeah. And I noticed that even I have a sister who's 15 months younger than me. Okay. So we're kind of closer in age where we, you know, walked through the same experiences together for the most part. Right. But I had her on the podcast quite earlier on and hearing the different experiences from her and from me, I was like, I, I literally said, I remember this a little differently. This is how I remember it. So like even that tiny bit of an age gap between us mm-hmm. it still kind of changes the entire game and how she remembers it versus how I remember it wow yeah that makes sense it is wild even in that short window um yeah but also it makes sense because with military lifestyles things are rapidly moving always they are and so yeah I I guess too like that's also a gift is you really I feel like growing up in a military family, like realize early on, like the gift of time and the gift of life and how to make the moments count. Like just because you're in a place for not very long. Like I remember um, when we would get stationed to different bases, just, I think that growing up as a kid is really interesting because, you know, we're all made for connection. And then you have like these consistent times where you're like, putting roots down and then you're leaving. And so like learning that balance of investing fully, like without holding back, I think this is older Ashley processing, obviously, (laughs) Um, but investing fully while also having so many moments where you're like, I won't be here forever. Um, So I think that, yeah, there are a lot of gifts of that. I feel like have helped me like later in life of really maximizing the moments. Yeah. And it takes a lot to, 
it takes a lot out of a military kid to move, start to put roots down, start to even unpack boxes and find friends. And yeah. then, you know, two years later, however, you know, even months later, you get orders that you're moving again and you have to do it all over again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. How many times did you move? Um, growing up between first through seventh grade, um, I attended 13 different schools. So we lived only in, so we were born in Texas. So we then moved to Georgia. That was our first station. Um, and then North Carolina, then Tennessee, and then my dad's injury happened. So then we were back in Texas and then we were back in Tennessee. Um, and then at that point we came to Florida, but all in all of those, like seven moves, um, we, I attended 13 schools. And so it was a lot of making new friends on the fly pretty quickly. A lot of leaving at times, not after yeah. too long. Um, and yeah, it definitely, I feel like as a kid, I was really grateful for the way my parents really framed the situations well for my brother and I, um, and even still like with their good framing, there were still moments that I definitely as a kid could notice like, okay, like my walls are a little bit more up. Because it obviously is painful to leave and to start again. Um, And, you know, as I've unpacked that, like as I've gotten older, um, because I remember college was like my first choice of like, okay, this is the first move that I get to choose. You know, as a military (laughs) kid, as a military kid, it's so weird because, and beautiful, but it's interesting because a lot of us have been moved all over. And so your idea of like geographical home isn't really a thing. And also I feel like for young people, our culture very much is like go move. Um, And so having the lack of geographical, like stable route of this is where I'm from. This is where I live. um, And then also having a culture that's like go and do like you're young, explore adventure along with my already naturally adventurous self, um, I just remember that first move being like, ah, I get to choose wherever I want to go. And um, so it's just funny. It's funny how all of those things collectively like become threads of who you are and how you make decisions and all of that. Yeah. And, you know, with the military, you don't get to choose really where you move. You can kind of have a say depending Um, but you really don't have a choice and military tells you. And so when you have that choice on your own to say, I want to go here, yeah, it changes the game. Yeah. It was was sweet. So you mentioned your dad's injury. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So my dad, um, was injured in Iraq in 2006 and, um, Yeah, it was really interesting. So growing up, like when my dad was deployed, you know, it's just so sweet. Like my heart just loved my dad so much. I'm such a daddy's girl. And so um, it was when he would leave, 
I would just like remember like funny times of pouting, you know, yeah, or that was being me. like, yeah. And it's so funny looking back because obviously like that had to happen. Yeah. And my poor mom, like who is also <laughs> my best friend, you know, I wasn't being very fair to her. <laughs> like, you know, yes. it's just like the funniness of childhood and navigating and figuring out these things that seem so foreign. But, um, as a kid, I think that for me, I would definitely have, I feel like most probably have had times of worrying about their parent. I don't know if that's true across the board, but um, there were definitely those moments. And um, I was in sixth grade in 2006 when he was injured and my mom and I were driving. I think my dad had just sent her a CD. Um, and so we were listening to the CD that he had sent her or like the recommendation. I don't remember exactly how it all, um, was happening, but I just remember like feeling this, like very, like, um, like just sick feeling like in myself of just like worrying about my dad. I was like, I, I was like, I just feel off. Like, I, I hope that he's okay. Like wonder like how it's day is like wonder what's happening um and at that time it was awesome because we were still getting to communicate um here and there and those times are so treasured but um my mom got a call like later that evening and she didn't tell my brother or I we knew that something was I knew something was off Josh was pretty young so I don't know like what his memories were of that time he was old enough to probably remember and grasp, but, um, yeah, I didn't press on it too much. And then a few days later, um, she told me that my dad had been injured in Iraq and, um, yeah. And it was really interesting because he was injured like through a roadside bomb. And so, I mean, she was getting, she was being told that he would never walk again. Um, and I'm not sure if at that time, like we knew that he was burnt or not, but um, hearing about third degree burns and yeah, it was really interesting. And so all of this too was lining up around Christmas. His injury was December 22nd. And so in that, um I think by the time my mom told my brother and I I think it might have been I mean it could have been the day after could have been Christmas Eve I don't know but I just know that we got on a flight like the day after Christmas to go meet him at Bamsby the number one burn clinic mm -hmm. and my brother and I I think were too young to go into the ICU and so um as a kid hearing that my father was injured and hearing these things. And my mom is really good about not really disclosing a ton of information to my brother and I in that department. She's very protective. And so, but even still, like being at the hospital or being around Brook Army Medical Center, anyone who's been around um, knows that you see people who are really resilient who are really brave, who have walked through war and who have effects from war. Um, and so you're seeing um, all of these scenarios. And I just remember like seeing a ton of people who 
their faces were completely different because it burns mm-hmm. and all of these things. And as a sixth grader, really being thankful um, for their service, really being scared too of like, oh, I have no idea like what my dad looks like. I have no idea yeah. of like what his reality is. Um, will I recognize him? Will I not? Like, you know, just like those different questions. And his injuries were waist down. So um, he had a lot of nerve damage to his left foot. And um, he had to get an amputation and that. And then he had third degree burns on both of his legs. Um, but I remember seeing my dad and like seeing that his face was still intact, which is not everyone's story. Um, but just being like, yeah, I just remember that first time that I got to see him, it was before he had gone into a surgery, I want to say. And, um, it was a very brief moment, but it was such like a relieving moment of just being like, okay, like he's okay. And again, a young brain, like, I don't know, like, why, like, the brain made that distinction of, if it's this way, oh, my goodness, if it's this way, he's okay, you know, and looking back, that's really not fair um, to think that way, but that was just the process um, that my brain was, like, undergoing at a young age, and so, yeah, so getting to see him, was really great and then getting to see him on his journey which was definitely a journey as everyone's story is post-injury um has been really wild he's had a ton of complications with burned skin um and amputation and so um has had to have many like revisions to that but it's been really cool like in recent years like as he has gotten to be able to be mobile, um, which he always has since the injury. He really hasn't let anything stop him. But it's really, it's cool to shift into a difference of um, his body actually following him too. And it's not something that he's constantly having to be in surgery over or constantly having to be concerned about. There still are those moments. But um it's been really cool in the last few years to see him get to be as active as he enjoys to be. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. And it is, I mean, like you said, it's a journey from, you know, that starts the day they get injured and it just carries on for the rest of their lives. And it impacts the rest of the family because, you know, you have to be, more available to mm-hmm. do like the little things or, um, you know, you have to be like, I mean, my dad would say that me and my sister were his reason. Like we, mm-hmm. we stayed in the Fisher house, um, when we were at BMC and he'd hear us getting ready and getting up in the one room and he'd be like, okay, they're getting up. Like I need to get up too. like, I need to be there for my girls. So there's just so many little things that play into it that, you know, they have to keep going, but at one point you're their motivation. So you have to keep going and, you know, little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's cool the way that family works that way, you know, like how it really is a team. 
Um, yeah, I have always been so grateful for my dad and his example and all of this. Um, because it really does. I mean, it takes special people who can go and serve and sacrifice and come back to a completely different world in their own body, you know, and yeah, having to relearn how to do so many different things and step into new things. And yeah, I mean, I just know that my dad really, um, did walk that out and carry that out in a way that he didn't accept pity. He wasn't looking for that. Um, he really just like walked and strengthened that time of this is what's happened and how do we move forward? And, um, I think if I can just accept part of that lesson, um, I'll be so well off because of yeah. watching him and so many other amazing men and women who have sacrificed and come back is truly, um, yeah, it's pivotal. It really yeah. is. And if I'm remembering correctly, I was so young when I was at BMC, but the burn unit was on the fourth floor, right? If you remember what? too. <laughs> I don't remember. That's a great memory that you <laughs> potentially have on that one. I, I'm not completely sure. Okay. So what, what I'm remembering is, um, it was on the fourth floor and my dad who edits this will probably be like, you're either so wrong or you're so right. <laughs> um, I know so, it could be such a proud moment. Exactly. Um, because my dad was on floor West. Um, which is where a lot of like the traumatic, um, like amputees or injuries, that's where they go again. I could be wrong too, but (laughs) that's what what I'm remembering. Um, but I think the burn, the burn unit was right across the hall. Um, and so my dad, he was in four West for a while. Um, that's where he was, but he did spend some time in the burn unit as well, um, as the years went on. Um, but if you were like in the burn unit, you'd have like the burn unit right there. And then you'd have four West right there where you'd see like a lot of those traumatic injuries come through. And so it's a different world seeing, you know, these burned guys walk out and then these guys who were traumatically injured walk out and it's like a completely different world around you. I mean, even if I'm wrong, like, I think I'm right, but I don't know. But Mm -hmm. you, I mean, just walking around BAMC, most of these guys, especially during that time frame when you were there, a lot of these guys were traumatically injured. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I know. It really, it really is and was a different world. And like I've mentioned to you, Gracie, um, you know, I'm not really around a ton of military people or military children. So I honestly don't really like reflect or recall back to this time terribly often. So like even thinking about it now, it's like, it is wild. And it's a gift to be thinking about it now because it's just a gift to remember, but it really was wild because yeah, I mean, nowhere like would you ever see like people who do have traumatic injuries or um incredible burns and then the magnitude that we saw 
how many people um, had incredible burns or how many people had traumatic injuries. It was wild. And on the flip side of that, wild's not the right word. I'm not sure what the right word is, but um, on the flip side of it too, the Intrepid Center, like I don't know if you remember that. We were there all the time. Yeah. And just getting to see again, like, I don't know, people like stand or people walk or people, I think they had like this awesome like water uh, tool. And I, yeah, my brain, I don't know if I'm remembering it all correctly either. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just like to see like, I don't know. I feel like BAMC is so unique. Yeah. And I feel like also the experience to be in a place like BAMC is so unique. I feel like it's an experience that very few people, a lot of people have, but like when we look at the magnitude of the U.S., like it's not a life experience that many people will have. And so um, I think that it really was wild. Again, not the right word, but um, just thinking about how you do get to see like moments from the inception of someone's injury sometimes into the moments of people like getting to come back from their injuries. And, um, and I think that, I think that that too, is like such a gift and, you know, everybody processes that differently, um, as it should be processed differently. Um, but I think that to be at a young age or to be at an old age, I don't feel like whatever age you're there matters because I really do think that it does really rewire you, um, to be grateful, to be thankful, um, to also mourn with those who mourn and then to be joyful with those who like are getting to celebrate, um, because in a setting like that, I do feel like it holds so much of the tension of celebration and also disappointment. And um, I feel like getting to navigate those, like among all of the people that are there is too, like a gift of that season, um, learning how to walk in that. Yeah, I think being in that area, it takes, you know, the child lenses lenses off where you're just focused like around yourself and around your own world. And I mean, it changes depending on how old you are. I was nine when we were in BMC. So I was still very focused on myself for the most part. Um, But it takes those glasses off and it's like, no, there's this whole world around you where your little problem is really not a problem. Like you're just making it into this big, big idea. And like push that to the side and realize like, you know, there are other people out there actually suffering and actually, you know, it takes, it takes that child brain away. And even at a young age where you're forced to mature at a a faster rate. Right. Absolutely. That is so true. So true. Did you go to school on Fort Sam Houston? I did. I did. Yes, I was there. I'm trying to remember the timeline of being there. It felt like, so I moved. It couldn't have been that long. You know, it's so funny how some <laughs> things feel like a long time. And then yes. as you like 
get into your brain you're like wait a second it, it wasn't a long time long. um again military lifestyle it's just who knows but um yes yeah so we moved there um in December basically when we got the call when my mom got the call and when we went the day after Christmas we just picked up our I guess clothes we left our house in Tennessee um and we really didn't do anything to prepare for a physical move at that point but we definitely took clothes I we enrolled in school um I was there from I guess December to I'm trying I guess I only I know that I was back in Tennessee for that following seventh grade beginning right before we moved to Tampa which is where we landed but so I maybe maybe I just finished that sixth grade year there um I feel like as a military child with these days there's a lot of things that maybe I haven't actively um sat with or like intentionally tried to remember um so that's a little foggy but I do remember definitely being there for the second part of that school year and I remember like being on the track team so I got involved my parents got me involved it was always our thing like um when I was talking earlier about like having the gift of like seeing him on like the diligence and the beauty of just getting to watch his military career and the start of it and the choice of all of that. Um, Because every man and woman who chooses to serve, they're choosing to sacrifice too. And um, so like, that's something that I've learned too, is like the injury um, or the lives that we lose um, in war, like, it's a choice that they bravely made, like when they signed the papers and it wasn't something that they took lightly. And so, um, I just know that even with the sacrifice, um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like even with the sacrifice, there was a lot of willingness to sacrifice. Um, and so in that getting to grow up with my dad, like joining the military and, being 33 and needing to push himself extra hard so that he could be among the best and prove himself at an older age for the military. We would go on a lot of runs and I would just like be his running buddy. He would obviously have to go ahead sometimes, but (laughs) we would just like run on the track or we would run in the neighborhood, but running was mine and my dad's thing. Like I just loved it with him. And, um, yeah, and so at Fort Sam Houston, I just remember getting to continue my love for running with him. Um, not with him, but I got to continue my love for running. And I remember it being so significant, like when he was able to come to my races um in that season. And yeah, it was wild. So yeah, I was at Fort Sam Houston. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned running. Um my dad and I never really ran together in Ohio. And then they told him he'd never be able to run again, which, you know, he ended up proving wrong and his physical therapist, um, they set the goal of when he graduated from physical therapy, his graduation point was running the army 10 miler. So, 
Um, I just remember there was one summer where him and I, I think it was like Tuesday and Thursday or like every other day or something, we'd get up at six o'clock in the morning and we'd go meet his physical therapist. And there were a couple other guys out there and we'd just run. And so that was like the two of our thing. We'd just get up and we'd go and we'd run. And she would train um, my dad. Um, him and I ran the color me rad. That was my first awesome. I did. Um, and he, I was his first 5k after injury. And then wow. we just did so many races. My mom and my sister would um, walk the races with us. Um, cool. But like, it just became a thing that him and I always did. We always ran together. Um, now of course you can't really run in Florida because it's so hot here but um people think I'm crazy when I say Florida's hotter than Texas but it kind of is (laughs) yeah yeah definitely depending on the time of day yeah yes yes dry heat versus humidity is so different I know I know I I'm like on the fence. I'm figuring Florida out again because I've been gone for so long. Um, yeah. But the nice thing about um, the nice thing about Florida is the breeze. So I'm trying to yes. figure out if it's the dry heat or if it's the breeze um, that's worse. And like I guess the humidity. But sometimes <laughs> it's like better and it's helpful. And then sometimes you're like, okay, this is truly terrible. But in Kentucky. And you know this because you were in Ohio. Yes. Um, there have been times this past summer that I've walked outside and I've been like, oh man, I feel like I really just stepped into a Hana or Hana, <laughs> sauna. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm not sure which one's worse yet. I haven't decided. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a little bit of adjusting. And that's again yeah. a military thing. You have to adjust to the different climates everywhere you go. Absolutely. Yes. So how did you get involved with No Greater Sacrifice and what has that journey been? Yeah, No Greater Sacrifice was such a huge gift to my life in so many ways. Um, So I hated the academic part of school my entire life. Um, I, yeah, I think that I don't, this probably isn't typical across the board. There's probably so many different sides of this. But for me, I just really struggled in all of the moves because with every move that you have, the school's on a different curriculum. And so, and so I think that because of that, there was a little bit of a challenge to be engaged sometimes, like, because I think that there was the frustration aspect of it, of, you know, I'm pretty competitive. i my brain, I don't think was corresponding all of this at a young age, but now I can look back and I'm like, I'm a pretty competitive person. And I like to feel like I've mastered what I've done. I'm a hard worker. And so when you have all of these gaps of information and somehow you're still supposed to excel on the test that you really haven't been prepared for, um, or even know how to prepare for them because you don't know what you miss, then it's a big challenge. So I remember starting at second grade, I really hated school. And honestly, that really stuck with me, unfortunately, until until high school graduation. Like there was really never a big turnaround of loving the academic side. I worked hard. 
I did my best, but I definitely never loved it. And so Rebecca, um, who's with No Greater Sacrifice, my mom connected the two of us. And um, Rebecca was just asking me questions about college. I knew I wanted to go. I think I wanted to go. Um, (laughs) I knew that it was like the next step of what you do. I was really grateful for like the gift of education and didn't want to waste that. And I think that's like one of the few things that like kept me rooted in hard work in school, even with the hatred of it, um, was I just couldn't. And I think military perspective probably played a role in this, but I just knew there were so many kids around the world who didn't have access to an education. And so to have the gift of education was really important to me, even though I hated it. And so Rebecca came in and she just, you know, she's what my heart needed. She was just gently, unassumingly, um, and without, without like, I don't want to say without expectation, but without, I don't know. She just wasn't pinning me down to anything. She was just asking like, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, and honestly, I think that Rebecca was a huge reason, um, that I ended up submitting applications for college. Um, I don't remember the exact things that were going on in my brain at the time of doing that. I had, um, I'd taken a gap year because I had been pretty sick my senior year. And so I just remember there being this like weird window where I was definitely applying as everyone applies in the normal time frame, but I wanted to go out of state. And so with my sickness, that wasn't something that our family thought that was the best idea. And so, which I totally agreed. And um, so there was just like this like weird window of navigating college decisions and what that would look like. But I remember her and whatever circumstances were going on, Rebecca was definitely um, such a huge um, branch of support, I would say. Like, like I just picture like myself and I just picture like a comforting and also a very much like you got this, just go for it. And um, like hand on the back of um, just going for it. And so no greater sacrifice has been a huge gift um, educationally um, because going into college, one of the things that was also important to me um, was to go in debt free just because I do desire to live a missional life. And um, I really wanted to be free of monetary debt that would hold me back from being as missional as what I seek to be. And again, I think that a big part of that is um, through military lifestyle, just that um, upbringing of service and all of that. But so No Greater Sacrifice was huge um, in making a way for it to be possible to continue to live a missional life um, that is not hindered by finances and the realm of college debt, which I'm so grateful for. And, and But I would say like Rebecca's life presence in my life has just been such a huge gift um, in getting to navigate life as like a college student. And I was a first generation college student. So um, all of the support 
of no greater sacrifice and the support of um, what was made possible through Rebecca um, has definitely been shaping and it has definitely put me on a path that I'm so grateful for. I attended University of Kentucky, graduated with communication, concentrated in social work, minored in psych and digital media and design. I came into college hating school and then I graduated loving school. And um, it was just such a big turnaround, like in my own life and in my own heart um, towards something that I never expected to have a different experience with. But in college, I really um, got to have the gift of loving school. And um, yeah, and also like debunking like the myth or like the lie that I had believed, well, do I just not like learning? And I really did get to see, no, I love to learn. Um, and so No Greater Sacrifice and Rebecca have made an impact, not only on the educational side of things, but also on the personal side of things, um, of how like I navigate like the world for the rest of my life. And um, yeah, I just really can't say enough good things and then the aspect of being paired with other families um and students who have gone through similar things like any of the events that I've gotten to attend um have always been a gift to just partner with people who have come from similar experiences and um yeah it's just deeply rooting and deeply um humbling it's awesome Yeah. I think that I grew up loving school and I still love school. My my family calls me a nerd because I just love school so much. That's amazing. Um, But I think like in your situation where you're saying you grew up hating school because of like the moves, the different curriculum, like that is so justified because it's hard. Like, you know, even kindergarten and first grade, what you did have, like, was along the same lines and then you had to move and then you had to move again and again and again. And then, you know, 13 schools later, you're like, I'm totally lost. Like, right. I don't know what I just learned in these last 13 different schools. Like it was all so different. And then once you get to college, it's, it's actually what you want to learn. And Mm -hmm. it's like the same same thing you have different classes of course like like any other school um but you have that freedom to grow to love it more and I think you're kind of forced to even love it more because this is kind of you know what you are doing and you're choosing to do it and if you don't love it then you can choose something else as well right yeah true for sure yeah, and just like the consistency. Like yeah. I think that the consistency was a huge aspect of it. But yeah, also I agree with you like in what you're saying cuz with college it's like you're choosing a goal. Like right. Your graduation is like going to be your outcome goal of what you've worked towards. Like everything that you're doing leads to that point. And so um I think that that totally makes sense in a lot of ways for how someone could come from hating it to loving it um but I really do think that um I don't know I I just do wonder like I'm sure that I still 
would have gone um, to college and all of that. But I, I do think that my experience without no greater sacrifice and without Rebecca would be incredibly different. And who knows um, if I like would have made it all the way through, like, I just know that um, the support that the organization gave me definitely um, did push me forward and it definitely got me in the door too. So it got me in the door and it walked me like all the way through and it got me out of college and graduated. And it's still like no greater sacrifice still walks with me and Rebecca still walks with me. And so, um, yeah. And Rebecca was always very clear about that. She was always very clear about how she really like didn't just want to be somebody who like footed the bill um, right. unless you like to swim and take your college out on your own. Um, so no greater sacrifice, like really stepped into life with me and I know life with all of their students. And I think again, um, with the upbringing and the world of it all, that like was such a huge gift. Yeah. I think no greater sacrifice just takes, you know, their mission and then they exceed their mission. They, they right. go above and beyond. They, then if you have a problem that's even outside of school related, like they are there for you, they're, Absolutely. you know, just a phone call away, like Rebecca, Kelly, Cannon, like all of them are just, you know, a phone call away and yeah, they're just so amazing. They really are. They really are so blessed to have them yes. as family and to be a part of the new greater sacrifice family. Yes, because once you're accepted and as a scholar, you and your entire family become a part of the No Greater Sacrifice family. Absolutely. It's so cool. Yes. Yes. So my final question is, what advice would you give to another military child? Huh, that's a really good one. Um, I think that something that I've gotten to reflect on recently, um, I've been moving recently. And, um, I was going on a trip right after a move, like the same day. And, um, it was so sweet because I was like, wow, um, what a gift to be able to cross state lines after a move. Like I had all the times as a child before. And, um, it just brought me back to that. And so I think that in reflecting on all of that kind of recently, um, and just thinking about life as a whole, I think for a military child, um, I would just say like, appreciate like where you are, um, the moments that are happening around you, uh, the moments that you're creating and you don't know what's around the bend. So just like live fully in that moment. And it's okay not to know what's around the bend and it's okay to just be present. I feel like that was such a challenge for me was being present. Um, and really like, accepting and receiving like all that life had in that moment um yeah and so my advice to a military child um would just be to start now to start just being present and living in the moment and taking life um for all that it is because it's a really beautiful thing and when you start to live presently like I've gotten to recently it's just I mean, it really changes the game. Like you're just more full and, um, and it always prepares you like for what's around the bend. So 
um, my final piece of advice would just be to be present. Yes, that is wonderful. And I think, you know, in all the the situations that you've been through, like from remembering the day your dad joined to, you know, now, and I think it's a journey all through and through. And if you miss those moments, you're going to miss those moments because you only get like one blink and then it's gone. So yeah, it's really important true. to be present in it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and your journey that you've been on and all the best to you. Absolutely. Thanks, Gracie, and you too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of Military Child Podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be featured on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms or send us an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. For more information on No Greater Sacrifice, you can go to nogreatersacrifice.org or send an email to info at nogreatersacrifice.org. Thank you and join us back next week for another inspiring story.